And then, then the head instructor said, come on, Jason, you can do this. We trust you. And then he turned around and got right in our head instructors, basically right in his face and said, no one's trusted me my whole life. Mm-hmm. And the head instructor said, hey, listen, Jason, we trust you. You can do this. Now get the boat back online and do that. And he got the boat back online. But that simple act of saying that we trusted him is something that was a pretty transformational experience in his life. This month on Ebb and Flow, we speak with a man who left the highest echelons of Wall Street to start a nonprofit that has changed the lives of thousands of children of all backgrounds. The man is Spike Lobdell, and the nonprofit is the New England Science and Sailing Foundation. Ocean Community Chamber of Commerce just named Spike as its Citizen of the Year for 2021. It is the most recent of many accolades celebrating Spike and the Nest team's remarkable success and contribution to society. Founded in 2002 as a community sailing program, 14 students strong, Nest now brings its unique combination of water-based platforms and STEM learning to over 9,000 students a year. And it is the only program of its kind to be accredited by the New England Association of Schools and Colleges. We'll hear about Spike's personal journey from the corporate to the nonprofit world, the touching stories of students' first encounters with the ocean, and the challenges and opportunities for this world-class operation. I'm Paul Leeming, and on behalf of UBS Long River Wealth Management, welcome to this month's edition of Ebb and Flow. Spike Lobdell, welcome and thank you for being here. Uh, well, New England science and sailing is a great success, and I'm so excited to open some more eyes to what you and your team are doing. So let's start with some background, especially for those listening who might not know this organization yet. So Spike, can you talk about the history of NAS, its growth over time, and its mission? Sure, Paul. Well, first, it's really an honor for me to have an opportunity to talk to you. And, and fr- frankly, you know, I get to talk, don't get to talk enough. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. But, you know, Nest started, actually, this is our 20th season of community sailing programs. So when we started Nest, when I started Nest, just as a, it was started at the exact same time as the Stony Harbor Yacht Club was formed, because I was a founding member there in the second Commodore. But we wanted to do something a little bit different for the community, and we wanted to be an inclusive club. So in year 2002, formed a little community sailing program with just uh, 14 kids, and we started out buying 20-year-old opties from the Ida Lewis Yacht Club. <laughs> and over this 20 years, what we have morphed in is we turned into an independent foundation from the Stony Harbor Yacht Club. And really, in 2008, we purchased the buildings. I mean, you know where Breakwater is. Sure. Paul, we're on the, the location is the old Barbos plant. Right. Um, you know, lobsters. They, they had like 40,000 lobsters coming in and out here when they're <laughs> on their peak. But I was a former finance person, and when we made the commitment to buy this property for something like $2.8 million, and we only had three months of revenue, kind of said, hmm, three months of revenue with 12 months of expenses. That's <laughs> not a real good recipe for success. No. So then what we did is I've always believed that sailing and now water-based platforms are an excellent education vehicle. So what Ness has morphed into now is we're basically teaching science, technology, engineering, and math STEM using water-based platforms. But in doing so, kids right now outside my window are sailing, and they're learning something about geometry, but they're also learning about 
skills that are so vital for success in life. They're learning that teamwork. They're learning that perseverance. They're learning about communication, self-control, and even self-confidence. And so when we think about what NEST is today, we're an educational organization that in 2019, pre-COVID, taught 9,000 students, partnering with about 70 different schools from New York to Boston. But we're really focusing on getting students out on the water that uh, may not have had that opportunity. A large presence in New London where students live 100 yards away from the water but don't have access to it. So we're using our water-based platform as an educational opportunity that we focus on academic achievement, but we also second to focus on these social-emotional factors that, that are so very important for these, for these students, no matter where they are. You know, I love this connection that you've made or this, this, I guess you could call it a harmony between sailing and STEM. And, you know, as a guy who grew up reading Horatio Hornblower, I kind of get it, right? <laughs> All these scenes of sort of Horatio Hornblower, uh, you know, outsmarting his, his uh, fellow midshipsmen on, uh, on some of the math problems. It's, it's a great connection. And, and, and yet I suspect somewhat of a unique one. I mean, was this the first time um, that an organization like yours sort of put the two together, or is this a model that's been used before? Well, it's interesting. My perspective, I have talked to the executive director of U.S. Sailing that sailing as a sport has not really focused on using sailing as a platform for education. Mm-hmm. So Ness clearly was one of the first people to do that. But we're also, when we talk about Ness, we're talking about all water-based platforms. So we have a great fishing program. We have actually a surfing program. So when you think about getting kids out on the water learning, it's all those platforms. I think that you know, I talked about wanting to be inclusive, but when I look over the 20 years now, the thing that I think we got right in founding Ness Back in 2006 or seven, we defined four core values, which are absolutely vital to everything we do. In fact, those same four core values are what drives us every day and certainly today. The first one was being inclusive, getting students out in the water, irregardless of financial ability. But that core value of inclusiveness has really morphed into, you know, now that we have an adaptive sailing program, we have students who have certain learning disabilities, getting them out the water to use these water-based platforms for education. So that was the first driver. The next driver is really what Ness is, experiential hands-on learning, learning by doing, you know, and this is very relevant in terms of COVID, you know, getting, getting students out there trying. When we're teaching to the next generation science standards, there is a standard, you know, standard 42B, you know, leverage. When you do the calculation on land for leverage, that's quite a bit different than taking a turn out of your main blocks on the sailboat and really feeling leverage from a different way. So experiential hands-on learning. The third one is personal growth, taking students outside their comfort zone, knowing that they're doing it in a safe way, but also feeling empowered that they can, you know, coming off the water for the first time saying, you know, I I can do it. Or when we're teaching sailing in Hartford, you know, that student looking over their back, you know, back at the skyline, knowing that that's their, that's their community, but really feeling that they're empowered and that they can. Mm -hmm. So that's the third core value. And the fourth one is stewardship, not only stewardship of the environment, which as we all know, is so very important, but mm-hmm. stewardship of the community and, and getting many of them to kind of feel empowered to uh, to make a difference in the community. 
Spike, you, you clearly are passionate about this and, and you've in some ways already answered the question I'm about to, to, to ask you, but I, I guess I'm going to delve a little bit deeper and I'm wondering about the, the personal impetus for you to, to found, uh, this, this organization, you know, it's a, it's a huge undertaking. I know you don't do it alone, but in those moments when you were sitting there saying, what am I going to do next? I'm just wondering what, what the thought process was, what was the need you saw? What was the personal motivation to, to get this underway? You know, it's a question, Paul, that I know you'll appreciate this. We've all had kind of ups and downs and different forks in the road in our lives. Sure. When I started Nest, it was about being inclusive and feeling that I grew up, I can't, I mean, yes, I compared to many, many other people, I grew up in certain privileges. But, you know, in terms of sailing, kind of changed my life. Mm-hmm. And why couldn't we make that accessible to all? I think when I was seven or eight years old, my first week of sailing class, I guess the instructor, and it's funny, I tell the kids in summer that everybody remembers their first sailing instructor's name, and my instructor's name was Doug. Mine was Zeph, and we said, so yes, you're right. They, see, everybody means, you know, so you have an impact on their life. And so after this, this is the first week, and we're sailing turnabouts versus what they do now. And, you know, by the end of the first week, I think it was a Thursday after Monday, they felt I had certain skill sets. So they paired me with someone who was kind of scared and, you know, I hadn't skipped a book before and we kind of went out and as I was putting up the, you know, the one sail, the main, I noticed there was a rip in the sail. Hmm. And I went to Doug and said, Hey Doug, you know, there's a rip in the sail. That, this can't be good. And he said, eh, no, don't, don't worry about Spike. It'll be, it'll be fine. You know, don't, don't worry, blah, blah, blah. So we got out there and we're sailing and then a line squall came through and ripped the sail to shreds. Hmm. And the boat's headed to the rocks, and I didn't know what to do. And unfortunately, the other guy was a uh, little boy was, you know, very scared, crying, and blah blah blah. And so there was this thing with a rope on it, and it looked kind of sharp but kind of heavy. So I threw it overboard, not know, now knowing that was an anchor. <laughs> I didn't have to tie any knots, and so I wrapped I wrapped the uh, the anchor line around the mast, and kind of rode out the storm. And they got all the other boats in, and it was a line squall. No one could see anything. And so when the storm lifted, they didn't know where we were. And so they started looking. And because the wind was coming from a direction, they started looking you know, downwind. Well, we were anchored upwind. And they came back, and you know, there we were, probably 200 yards off the club, just sitting there still holding on without, a, <laughs> without knowing how to tie a knot. And I think about that experience now that, you know, sailing and water-based platforms are problem solving. And I had to figure out how to solve a pretty good problem and have the, you know, experience to do it. And why wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be an opportunity for all students? And so when I think about that experience and then looking at, you know, what we're doing every day at NESS, hopefully not everybody has a problem like that, but it's a great platform. It's a platform for education. And all of these platforms, be it fishing, be it, you know, just, you know, catching a fish for the first time <laughs> and think about the geometry of how you do that or how, you know, the, how do you tie a fly for, for a fish or a lure? These are things that Nest does every day and brings it into the curriculum. You know, those, those lessons are so important and, you know, you're right. You, you do learn so much and, and, and those lessons are, are in some ways amplified, I think, by the unfamiliar conditions and the unpredictable conditions of the sea. I remember yep. oh, yeah. as a kid, you know, in a race and, and when we were learning how to sail as kids and, you know, there was no wind, we're, we're drifting along at, at, you know, no knots and I jumped off the boat and I, you know, 
I, I was hot. And the, the, sailing, <laughs> the, the sailing instructor, Zeth, was incensed and, and you know, talked to me. And, and, and I'll never forget, you know, her, her saying that, you know, you, you have to respect the safety, not only of yourself, but the crew and in these conditions. And, you know, these are lessons that, that stay with you forever. So point, well taken. Well, so Spike, you know, many who know you are obviously aware that you had a, a successful career in the corporate world, uh, in the private sector, before taking on this work in the nonprofit world. So I wonder if you can contrast the two worlds of, of profit and nonprofit and or uh, talk about how one informs the other. Yeah, because I think they do. So I had I worked for J.P. Morgan, uh, and I call it Heritage Morgan, before we were purchased by Chase Manhattan Bank for 27 years, 245 days. There's a, there's a reason why I know that exactly. Okay. And then I was CEO of a large business of an insurance company, XL Capital. And when I formed Ness and what it came through, I left XL after restructuring the company in 2009. And I, I became president of the foundation I started in 2000, I guess it was 2008. And I was going to continue to look for a corporate job, but that's that's when we started focusing on these platforms as education and you know kind of a mission-driven nonprofit. So when I think compare... I have been pretty entrepreneurial in my business career. And one of the things that I'm proudest about in forming a nonprofit and running it is the culture of the organization. We don't necessarily run NEST as your classic nonprofit. We run NEST consistent as a nonprofit, very, very mission-driven, but we're very entrepreneurial and creative in how we approach that. And maybe that's because we're dealing with service education that you can do that with. But, you know, thinking about teams, you know, working at J.P. Morgan or U with UBS, you're very focused on your respective teams and what you do. Mm-hmm. It nests, we don't have necessarily as a large organization, I don't want to say silos, but everybody, whether you're the registrar, whether you're the custodian, or whether you're me running the organization, or importantly, the frontline educators, all of us are focusing on one single mission, which is the quality education or quality experience one student at a time. Hmm. And I think that's a little bit different than what I perceived in my Morgan career or Excel. I mean, yes, we were focused on serving our clients and helping them in terms of mergers and acquisitions that I did, the right deal. But I didn't get the sense you know, everybody was focusing on the, the, the one mission of the organization. That may be because NASA is so small. But I think the entrepreneurial drive, you know, I do miss being around, you know, on you know, financial services, great people around, you know, a table, maybe wearing a suit or something like that, mm-hmm. and some of the problems you get. But when I think about Ness and the impact that you get with that one student coming off the coming off the water for the first time, I'm, you know, my president, uh, full time volunteer, and obviously, you know, raise money and donate money to Ness. By the return on the investment that I see in that child's eyes for feeling that he or she can for the first time, especially underserved youth from Bridgeport or anything, really feeling good about what they're doing. I mean, that's a that's a very different. But I think both of them, my corporate career and Ness, kind of merges into thinking that you know we run it as a as a business. You know, we try to make money or at least try not to lose our shirt. But you know, being an entrepreneur, startup, and having that passion of all the educators is is really what's been a lot of fun. <laughs> It is a, a, a different bottom line, a different yep. reward, and, and one that I suspect helps develop that, that marching to the same drumbeat that, that 
you're describing and, and and I've noticed that and and you know one of the reasons I I reached out to you Spike to see if you'd be willing to jump on this podcast is that you know our own two kids my wife's and my two kids have spent some time with Ness over this this past year and that was because of covid you know they were not in school every day and for those days that they weren't we you know frankly we were looking for somewhere for them to go and uh, fortunately you guys as an organization had adapted as a team as a unit and everyone seemed to be contributing to this effort to create this hospitable and an educational space for for the kids who are displaced from school so you know that's just one example of how you as a team have adapted to covid-19 but i wonder if you could talk a little bit more about this experience over the past you know 18 months how you've done yeah well thank you and it's also great to hear that both of them had a good experience i think you know, now it's May 10th, you know, when the world changed, at least for Ness, it was March 13th when we closed and, and, and schools were closing. I guess our school-based revenue for the spring was something like $300,000, and that went to zero immediately. We were facing a real crisis. And, you know, once again, doing the sailing around the water analogy, how do you face a crisis of revenue? We weren't sure if we were going to exist. So we stepped back and said, okay, you know, we could have cut expenses significantly, but I'm kind of in the mode if, if Paul, you and I are out in the middle of the ocean and we're sailing and a storm comes, you know, we're going to get the boat back together. I'm not going to throw people off the boat right. to, to go through. It just, that was a new real issue that was important to me. But simultaneously, you know, to make that statement, we had to figure out how to change our business because our business was, you know, basically in tattered. Schools were not operating. So you described one of the innovations that we came in for shore support where, you know, we'd offer an opportunity to kind of tutoring, mentoring students who couldn't go to school, doing it in kind of those hybrid off days. The big thing that we did is we hired a new executive director of education, actually a new position that really focused on, you know, helping deliver Ness's educational model. He came with 30 years of experience with CEO of both educational organizations and other corporate organizations. But with him, we pivoted and we created with our staff a suite of experiential online learning courses that span the gap to take what Ness did out the water and bring it to students in their in their homes. So in doing that, we pivoted in those OEL courses, which really did engage students. You know, we taught during COVID students across all across the country with these programs because they were fun. You know, one of them was a geometry course by effectively building a boat out of common household materials and you calculate rate in time by building that boat. And so that OEL programming allowed us to what keep our staff focused, but keep us positive in working through with teachers who were really desperate for content and getting that content delivery to students in their homes and, and now in their classrooms. You know, it was pretty it was a pretty amazing. I mean, the staff who had no you know, Eric understood OEL programming because he'd, he'd done it in the past. And I think that I kidded him when we hired him that, yeah, OEL programming would be something we'd like to do in the future, but, you know, we don't have time nor the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, this crisis now forced us to do it big time, and we we're fortunate enough to raise some money to help us do it. But now we have a brand new business vertical that, you know, compared to our academic year model, our community model, and as you know, we have a summer camp. We now have an online vertical that probably post-COVID will be 10 to 15% of our revenue, but now we can touch students all over the world. You know, this OEL course was taken by a student in Dubai. (laughs) Reputationally, this really will drive, 
you know, how Nest gets viewed on this experiential curriculum that, you know, we're happy to share with others. It's interesting. So, you know, I, I'm learning a lot myself here. And it sounds like, you know, as you describe these these revenue streams, that, you know, a lot of what you're doing is self-funded. And I had assumed, I, I will admit, that most of your funding was coming from private donations or grants or maybe even the government. But what is the mix there, quickly? I mean, is your... Yeah. Yeah. On a normal year, you know, adjusting for COVID, program revenue covers about... 40% in round numbers of our expense base. Sure. And when we say program revenue, that's schools and summer tuition, but looking at schools, which is our largest piece of our business, they will either pay for our programs out of, uh, out of their budget or specifically write a grant to include NESS. Hmm. The rest of it is our fundraising, saying 60%. Okay. I'm really proud that of the 9,000 students we served in 2019, roughly 50% received some form of financial aid to participate in our programming. So clearly, external fundraising is is really the heart of what we need to do to support. I mean, I kind of look at this as doing two things, delivering quality programs and, and the education-wise and fundraising to support it. All right, of course, uh, as is required. So, Spike, I'd like to bring this into some sort of real anecdotes about what you've done as we as we you know, come near the end of this of this this short interview today. But if you would, can, can you tell us a couple of stories about some of the high points, maybe some of the low points along the way, some some memories that you have from this experience? Well, the low point I think I just described. Thinking about you know we have. I guess 26 full-time employees, 10 AmeriCorps members during the summer, we'll probably get up to 70 employees. And then thinking the business might not exist because of COVID, was uh, that was kind of a low point. Sure. I think the a story that I've told that really, to me, embodies what Ness is, is, and this happened several years ago, and, and maybe some of your listeners may have heard me tell this story, but there was a student from New London who really was an underserved you know, youth. He was eighth grade, big boy, mother, you know, terrible, you know, family life, father was incarcerated, they, you know, mother shot, stepbrother. I mean, it was just, it was just bad. And this guy was the nicest guy. And he came from, I think, five or seven siblings, but he felt safe at Ness, but really, really quiet. And, you know, while he was in eighth grade, he probably only had third grade math ability, but he's driving the J105, which Paul is a 35 foot sailboat, kind of windy. And our head instructor is on it with, with six other students and they're outside. And I forget his name. I'm just going to call him Jason, but you know, Jason just out of the blue said, Hey man, I'm driving a boat worth $3,000. And the head instructor goes, Oh, Jason, it's not 3,000. It's a hundred thousand. And Jason went ashen white, despite being black, totally, you know, started crying, let go of the wheel. The boat rounds up, the sails are flapping everywhere. And now his classmates are going, you know, what, what's happening? What's happening? And you could tell he didn't really understand the difference between 3,000 and 100,000, except a boat low to zeros. And he was like, he was like hyperventilating and, and the head instructor was, you know, Jason, come on, you, you know, what's wrong? You know, you 30 seconds ago, you're doing this fine. Now you, you do it. And, and, and he just could, he was almost speechless. And then, then the head instructor said, come on, Jason, you can do this. We trust you. And then he turned around and got right in our head instructors, basically right in his face and said, no one's trusted me my whole life. Mm-hmm. And the head instructor said, hey, listen, Jason, we trust you. You can do this. Now get the boat back online and to do that. And he got the boat back online. But that simple act of saying that we trusted him is something that 
was a pretty transformational experience in his life. And, you know, now he's doing something, he's working, he's, you know, obviously the other things he contributed, like that was a really important thing. And his teachers commented on it the next day. He just felt that he was valued. He was trusted. Wow. Powerful, powerful story and evidence of, of what you're doing, which is wonderful work, uh, Spike. Last question for you. And it's really about this, this transition you made, this commitment you have made into the world of, of nonprofit. And I suspect, and I've heard from, from people we work with and in my own personal life, there are people out there who at some point want to do something similar, maybe not at the same scale, maybe not the same cause, but, you know, would like to hang up their, their corporate shingle and, and maybe devote themselves vocationally to a cause of some kind. What advice would you give to someone looking to do something like that? Yeah, it's, um, I've thought a lot about it myself. And as I said, Paul, you know, there are a couple of job opportunities that have come along the way. And one of the tendencies is the grass can be greener on the other side. There was the CEO of Russell Reynolds, which is a New York-based executive recruiting firm, good friend. His name is Clark Murphy. And I guess it was 2014, I was thinking that, you know, I really should go take another lap around the corporate ladder. And there was an opportunity, and I was telling about it. And then he called back, or in that same conversation, you know, Spike, it's an educational startup that's, you know, it's kind of doing some good things. It's, it's, it does, you know, it doesn't pay a lot, but, you know, it's got a unique model that, you know, I think is going to change, you know, the way educators look, you know, kind of experiential learning, da, 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 da. And I said, Clark, that's exactly what I want to do. That's exactly perfect. You know, how do you get me in there? And he goes, Spike, I just described Ness. <laughs> and so the advice that I would say to anybody is, you know, understand the personal commitment that you want to make to it, feel you need to make to it. And, you know, what is the cause? You know, I think one of the things that I'm proudest of, I was lucky enough to be awarded the Ocean Chamber Citizens of the Year Award for 2021 for really what we've done in the community. But really, that's an award that I will accept, but it's, it's really the team. And so what makes Nest different for me is we have a really wonderful team. I mean, I'm an old guy, right? I'm, you know, yeah, in terms of the age scale, in terms of the age scale on the team, I think we have four babies coming this year. So on that, but the quality of the team and how passionate they are, if you can create that as you make a transition, call it the, the third half, right? You know, in terms of the opportunities you might have, I would take it. And you know, understand that it's a different view. The frustrations are different, but the rewards can be far greater, obviously not a monetary award, but, you know, what you're doing for society and making this corner of southeastern Connecticut or the world a better place is is really important. Well, Spike Labdell, uh, first of all, congratulations on that award. That is a huge accomplishment and, and, and well-deserved by you. Number two, I'm not going to ask you today to explain what the 245 days was. At, uh, <laughs> uh, so everyone else now who's listening to this is going to ask you, so be prepared for that. And number three, yeah. uh, thank you for, for taking the time to be with us on behalf of my partners, Tom Lips, Andrew Worthington. Ashley Martella and Paula Rose and our whole team here at UBS Long River Wealth Management. We thank you for your time and everything for your that you are doing for the community. So thanks again. No, thank you. And and you guys are doing a lot. Guys and team are doing a lot for the community also. So it's a real honor for me to have a, an opportunity to talk with you and, and your clients and associates. So all the best, Paul, and look forward to seeing you soon. 